When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 157. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm tired. I'm tired. I've been tired for the last couple of days now. Uh, just not sleeping well, but uh, that's kind of... I said it on, on the uh, the patron podcast. If you're not subscribed, you get constant updates on my life. Uh, <laughs> but I'll say here anyways, uh, my daughter broke her collarbone falling down a full flight of stairs yesterday. No, two days ago. It was, feels like forever. Um, it was two days ago, and so like she's not sleeping very well because she's four. Yeah, like, that's she doesn't tough. know what to do, and all of a sudden she'll turn and like ah, go! yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, it's been it's been a, a time in in our household, but otherwise good. Otherwise good. Growing the, the facial hair, it's uh, at an itchy stage. Okay, which isn't great, but like I'll figure something around that. And I'll oil it up somehow. Okay, there you go. Yeah, obviously, you know, tough at the Anderson household with that. Yeah, no, a four-year-old breaking their collarbone, not not that you know crazy, but or sorry, not that great, but uh, it, it kind of runs in our household, not in our household, sorry, in my family. Okay, uh, my brother broke his collarbone at the age of four, jumping off a couch. Okay, um, on purpose. <laughs> he thought he told my uncle that he was getting like Uncle Claude, catch me, and my uncle Claude's like, huh, what? He's at the other end of the basement, and my <laughs> brother's like, wee. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out well. And then for me, it was in sixth grade. I was running out of the house to go play Foursquare, and I stepped on my coat, which I was carrying in my hand, and uh, <laughs> pulled me to the ground, and I snapped my collarbone in half. Not not great. Uh, uh, yeah, so good times. My parents always make fun of me because I was running away from my what they term, I didn't know at the time, I was in sixth grade, very attractive math tutor. So... Apparently, I was running away from beautiful women, which is a constant problem in my life, I suppose. (laughs) I'm brand for uh, Teen Mitch, I guess. (laughs) I suppose. So, yeah, what's going on with you this week, buddy? Big day today for me. I went back to work, like, uh, at actual work. I've been working from home since March, so today was my first day back in the studio. It was was busy. I had a lot to do, but uh, it it was definitely weird. It was weird to be back. 
Does it feel comfortable at least or just weird? It was just weird. I guess, you know, it's going to take a little bit, bit to get back in the routine. Um, but like it was half full, I would say with people like, and then, you know, seeing everyone walking around with the masks and, you know, it's not like usually like it's a small school that I work out. So everyone knows each other. Everyone talks to each other, but it's like, now you kind of just take care of your business and go home. That's it. Right. Uh, that, that is weird, but at least a, a feeling of normalcy, specifically in New York, right? Where like things were so rough for so long. Right. No, exactly. So that's always good. Yeah. So that's definitely a plus. So uh, in a way, I'm excited to be back. It's it's going to be good. Right. Fair enough. All right. What are we doing today? Aside from just talking about our lives, we could just go on for an hour. About oh, that. sure. Yeah. But I don't think they would like that very much. So what we're going to do now is get into the meat and potatoes of the Islanders versus Capital Series. And most recently, the Islanders left us with a poor taste in our mouths with their loss in Game 4. But for the first 10 periods of this series, it was about as good as you could ask from the New York Islanders. Yeah, you, you could not ask for any better. And I understand, like, they lose one, and they didn't look great in those final two periods. Um, but, you know, every team seems to be winning at least one game in the playoffs. Like, even the Arizona Coyotes won a game. That's right. And they just... They just <laughs> They got shelled the last two games, fourteen to two, <laughs> fourteen to two over the last two games, absolutely obliterated by the Colorado Avalanche. So like, teams will find a way to at least win one. It's how the Islanders are going to answer back that really matters, ish. In a in a macro sense, like we're going to get more micro as we go along, but on a macro level, it's how do they answer back, um, or how do they clap back really. Um, to that that showing the last two periods. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, obviously, when, when we go game by game in the post-game podcast, we break down each game a little bit more specifically, where this one is just going to be, uh, you know, just talking about the series as a whole. And I think for me, in the three wins, something the Islanders did really well and that I would mark down as one of their positives is later in the in the games, in the third period, they would just go into full shutdown mode. And what they were able to do in game two specifically was a thing of beauty. Yeah, well, absolutely. They were able, I didn't watch the whole thing because I was camping, but uh, I, I definitely got all the messages from all my friends saying, oh, my God, this this level of hockey has been amazing. Right. Oh, my God, it was the best play I've ever seen or the best uh, end to a game I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, really? God, this fire cannot end soon enough. <laughs> yeah, it was just they were like toying i think that's the perfect word for the first three games the islanders were toying with the capitals and obviously game three went to overtime but in the first two specifically they were doing pretty much anything they wanted at at will against the team at five on five that has to be the caveat here which is going to be the theme for I'm, i'm sure a lot of this podcast at five on five you cannot ask for much better from the new york islanders in their eight playoff games now no, and, and that's what you want to do. If you, if you can rule the game at five on five, you typically have your, your say at what happens. And that's what we're seeing with the Islanders. Um, of course, you would like to see them do better on the special teams. We'll get to that. But uh, at five on five, they're having their day. That wasn't the case in game three, specifically in the later two periods, right? Like you can see when they once they score the first two goals, it just falls. They just fall off a cliff from there on in. And the, the Capitals just 
push them back and push them back. And in the third period, the Islanders looked like they had no legs at all. They weren't moving. The Caps were first, second, third to the puck. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, in specifically in the you know the most recent game, which I think it, it leaves the poor taste in our mouths because that's what we saw most recently. But like I said at the beginning, the majority of this series has been really good for the Islanders. But I agree with you in the sense that I definitely think the last two periods were the the Islanders just couldn't they couldn't get going like you said they they looked out of gas or the it just wasn't there that same intensity like they didn't have their legs right like they just weren't skating they're standing around they're a puck watching and in the third period with all that pressure mounting right I think even at this point they had they scored the third goal at, at this point they didn't score all three in the second. E- either way, doesn't matter what the score was when when I saw what I saw, because uh, e- e- the, the fact remains that they weren't moving, they weren't getting to the puck, uh, which didn't allow them to exit the zone, which allowed more pressure. It just everything was a self fulfilled prophecy. Oh, maybe not self fulfilling prophecy. Uh, just they were shooting themselves in the foot. That's the I don't uh, and and oh my god analogy I want to go with like they were just not doing anything to help themselves even at the most basic level, which is get to pucks first. Uh, what surprised me is that Barry Trust didn't call his timeout to kind of like rally his mm. troops going like, guys, we we're getting shelled here. Wake the hell up. Like he just waited for the TV timeout and it was just too late by then. Yeah, I, I would have liked for him to use the timeout. Uh, Reardon used the timeout in the first period early, uh, but that worked. It worked for them. The game completely changed after that. Yeah, it's almost like uh, there's a thing in soccer where you score too early, right? Like you can be... A, a an underdog team and you put a goal in against the uh, the uh, the favorite and you're like oh look out they scored too early they 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 woke the beast right mm-hmm. uh which isn't the same thing that we saw with the 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 stay same Washington Capitals earlier in the season but they put two up on the Washington Capitals and then it was like all right we're good mission accomplished right unroll the banner guys get the banner out and then the Washington Capitals like guys we still have like forty. 50 minutes, right? They scored at like nine. The second one was nine minutes into the first period, was it not? Yeah, it was, it was 50 minutes. They had like 50 minutes left. They had 50 minutes to find two goals, three goals, really. And they did exactly that. Like they just worked. They just worked at them. And it, and it, it really, the Islanders had no answer. No, absolutely not. And I mean, we, we saw that with really that, that first goal to me was the one that started to get me a little worried, the Kuznetsov one, because that was one that Varlamov should have had. And that's what I was going to pull up here right now, is Varlamov at 5-on-5 throughout the playoffs has been, well, uh, essentially godly, bitch. He has been unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Like, only Carey Price and, like, I was going to say Darcy Kemper, but not anymore. I I think only Carey Price and Elvis Merzlikens have better 5-on-5 numbers than he does now, I think. Uh, you have Merzlikens, Hart has a 966 save percentage, and Grubauer right. has a 965. Varley has a 958 save percentage and a flat one goals against average at five on five in the playoffs. <laughs> but that that's the playoffs, right? That's not just the Capital Series, right? No, that's, that's for not all, only four games. No, all eight, yeah. Right, that's a that's a growing sample size. That's not just a couple of games here. We're talking about eight games where he's got a what is it again? Nine fifty eight and a one flat goals against average. That's insane. The Islanders don't allow anything at five on five. They're absolutely dominant five on five. 
um, aside from game number four near the end. Um, but that that's what you want to see. So like if we're, if we're trying to find positives here, it's goaltending is, is on point at five on five. For sure, there's no questions asked. Their game at five on five is exactly what you would like to see from what could be a championship caliber team or, or any once you can look back at a, at, a, uh, at a playoff, usually a championship caliber team does this kind of performance at five on five. That's right. And on, on top of that, when you were talking about um, just how they've been able to play at five on five, the Islanders' ability to roll four lines, I think, has helped them in this series, especially early on uh, where the Capitals didn't have Lars Eller and they lost... Uh, uh, what's his Backstrom. name? Backstrom to injury in game one in this series with uh, Anders Lee hit. And, you know, especially in the, the game one, that's they struggled. But the Capitals' depth isn't quite at the level that the Islanders' depth is, which I think we talked about as a preview that the Islanders have a little bit more depth. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Islanders are where they are with a 3 1 lead. Absolutely. You just look at their, their lineup, right? In terms specifically when it comes to time on ice. Uh, and I just want to bring up like game four here, if I can. And you got a lot of guys here that are playing. Like Pino played three minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, I guess he may have got hurt at some point. Uh, you've got Panic. You've got Ponic, Hathaway. That's nine minutes apiece there. Where the Islanders have one player playing less than 10 minutes, and that's Matt Martin. Sorry, they had Cal Clutterbuck, but he got injured. He got hurt, yeah. So, like, they have one player playing less than 10 minutes. Outside of that, no one's playing less than 11. And I'm sure Cal Clutterbuck would have been higher, too. Um, so, like, the, right there, you can see the reliance of the coach on, on rolling those four lines. And there's no question that... It, this is not there's no question, but there's... There's no surprise that Matt Martin is playing less than 10 minutes. It's not to say that he's not a good player. It's just that the role that he fills doesn't allow for that. Um, so technically, the Islanders could even have more depth, but down the middle, they're set with their Barzal, Nelson, Peugeot, Sezikis. Uh On the wing, they're good. Uh, defense, they're great. Like they have more depth than the Capitals do, and they're and they're using it. They're they're wearing them down. Aside from Game Four, exactly. Aside for Game Four, unfortunately, but for the most part, like you said, that the ability to roll all those four lines has definitely helped them out. Uh, something else that, that I noticed from this series, the chippiness. These teams do not like each other, and that is very well known through the first four games of this series. Yeah, and like, we knew it was going to be kind of chippy. Whenever Tom Wilson's on the ice, it's going to get chippy because the guy doesn't shut up. Um, but it got more chippy, right? Like in game four with the, their series on the line, they were like, all right, we're just going to hit anything and everything. They had seven hits before the Islanders had, by the time the Islanders had two goals up. So within the opening 10 minutes of the game, they had seven hits on the Islanders already. That put them on pace for, I think it was 42 over the game. That that was their strategy. Come out and knock them dead physically. Um, and, and it kind of worked, right? Like that, that battering ram style really slowed down the Islanders, and they were just sluggish through the rest of the game. Yeah, no, that that definitely took a toll. I mean, you've had you had guys take big hits. Scott Mayfield took a big hit. He was slow to get up. Cal Clutterbuck got upended, and he left and didn't return. And we, we saw a lot of that. And I think, like you said, going in, the expectation was that this was going to be a physical series. But after early in the game, in game one, where Backstrom 
gets hurt from a hit from Anders Lee. And then obviously it kind of spirals out of control from there. There was fights in game one. It was very, it turned into a very chippy game and that never really went away. No. Do you think having Ross Johnson being able to police the ice would change anything? Yes. Okay. How so? Uh, I just think that the the capital or Tom Wilson specifically wouldn't be willing to do everything that he's doing because at this point Matt Martin is he's not going to fight him. We we know that. So uh, if Ross Johnson's out on the ice, then I I think Tom Wilson is less likely to run amok like he has for the first four games. I guess. I, I think Tom Wilson will do Tom Wilson things because, you know, if life finds a way, uh, scumbaggery finds a way, um, sure. right? Like the, the the boarding penalty that he took uh, against Scott Mayfield, which probably should have been a little bit more than that. Probably should have been at least a major, but and I, the, whatever. It is what it is uh, for now. Um, but he's going to find a way and he, he'll fight. Like he'll fight Chara, right? He fought him. I don't think he's scared of Ross Johnston. Um, uh, but at least Ross Johnson maybe, you know, put the everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face, right? Ross Johnson could probably punch him a couple of times. Nice. Change that plan up real quick. It's just when you think about that, it's who do they take out? Are they gonna take out Matt Martin? They yeah. won't. And then do they, they do they actually take out Leo Komarov? Because I'm not sure he will. That's what that's what I would do, but I don't think that's what he would do. I think he values Leo Komarov too much as uh as a penalty kill specialist on a really bad penalty kill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we just talked about the um, the Washington Capitals' lack of depth-ish, right, where they had two guys playing less than 10 minutes. That would be the same thing if you got Matt Martin and, and Ross Johnson on the same lineup. You'd have two guys playing less than 10 minutes. Uh, and and that, that shortens your bench a little bit. Uh, sure, you got a guy that can throw fists, but, like, if he's not out there, what's the point? Yeah, I don't... I don't know. It, that's the. I'm not trying to put you in a pickle. That's that's my conflict as well. Going like I like Ross Johnson, but at the same end, it's like oh god. So like I don't blame Trotz for doing what he's doing. It's just kind of like it doesn't seem like it's working perfectly well. Right. I just I think they need something to to change. And obviously they have a three one lead. It's not saying like Barry Trotz hasn't been pushing the right buttons. It's more of well they've been able to take advantage of the Islanders a little bit, and I, I would like this to to stop. Also, I think a big part of the reason why they're willing to go that extra mile is because the power play for the Islanders has been so bad, so they're not worried about giving up a goal. That that's I, I'm glad you said that because that's absolutely right. Like they had, there's no incentive for them to let up, right? Like if you're going to punish them, score on them, and they're not doing that. Uh, so like, okay, yeah, we'll send you in the boards. We might take you out of the game. <laughs> Great, you're not going to score anyways, and you're out of the game. Awesome. Right, like they would say, okay, you, we'll give you five power play opportunities. You're going to go over for five, and that, and so what, what's the difference? Yeah, you might put one in every twenty. Maybe we'll see tomorrow. Yeah, right now we're going to talk about the special teams in a second, but I think that's to me one of the reasons why, outside of obviously the power play being so bad, but I, I think uh, Ross Johnston being put into a lineup could potentially help mitigate the Capitals' physical play. Yeah, that, that, there, there's a point to that. There absolutely is, because the guy does that. He doesn't lose a fight. And if you've got a guy out there that's you know, essentially a more hinged Trevor Gillies, 
um, that that'll do something that that has an effect on players. Um, and, and if it doesn't, his fist certainly will. Um, but I, I'm just not I'm not sure that Barry's going to do that. They had one bad game and I, I, I he didn't say anything in the press conference about it, nor would he. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would be surprised if he makes any sort of changes to the lineup. Yeah, if I was betting, I would bet that it's going to be the same as it has been. Yeah, so we'll see, obviously, tomorrow at 8 p.m., but as it stands now, I would imagine he goes with the same lineup, even though that lineup isn't really the most efficient one, I would say. And maybe he goes off the board, right? Like, maybe he brings in Andrew Ladd instead of Leo Komarov. Interesting. I'd be be very surprised, but I don't think that's going to happen. So would I, but, like, Ladd plays well against the Caps. Uh, He's healthy. Um, we, we haven't seen a TikTok video in a while. I don't know why he teased us with his TikToking and then TikTok the hell away. Uh, it seems so like, I'd like to see more TikTok videos of him on workout machines to see that he's alive. Right. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and check on his TikTok to see if he's still, uh, functioning, but yeah, it's been pretty quiet from the Andrew Ladd TikTok. Yeah. And he'd be a good depth, uh, player, maybe add something, some, some, a different look to the team. Like Leo Komarov isn't a shooter. We've seen that. Uh, Andrew Ladd is very much a shooter. I'll tell you this. For all of Andrew Ladd's flaws, which there's a lot of, I guarantee you he would get a shot off on that breakaway chance in game four. <laughs> right. At least one. I'm not saying he would have scored. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he would have gotten a shot off. It would have hit the net. It would have made Holby think. Yep. Hol- Holby? Holt? B. I forgot the T. So I think, Mitch, we're going to take a quick break and then get into the special teams. How does that sound? That sounds good-ish. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the special teams and how the power play and penalty kill has absolutely killed the Islanders. (laughs) Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode 157. Matt and Mitch with you. We're talking power play, penalty kill. Now, we talked up the Islanders at five on five. They are 6-2 and two so far in the playoffs, and the reason for that is because they've been pretty much dominant at 5-on-5. Five five. Now, where they've been extremely flawed, both the power play and the penalty kill. Mitch, which one would you like to dissect first? I'll give you the choice. Uh, let's do the power play first. Okay. I'm glad you said that one because uh, I just had to get this one off my chest. It's a statistic. It's not like I'm holding in on a take. It's just something that I've been kicking around in my head for the last 24 hours or so after the game last night. And uh, the Islanders have a 5% power play efficiency in this series, which is almost impossible. <laughs> they, they found a way. They, if scumbaggery finds a way, bad power play finds a way. And the Islanders, by God, found a way to be awful on the power play again. It's no longer coaching. It can't be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we thought it was Scott Gomez. It's clearly not. We brought in a guy who, who usually yields 20%. Of course, he had the Toronto Maple Leafs to do that with. Um, but, like, he is not yielding 20% with the same group because uh, they, they just can't seem to get the job done. No, they had a little bit of success in the Florida series, and then that it just completely fell off. They're 1 for 19 in the series against the Washington Capitals through four games. And, uh, unfortunately... It could have gotten them back, or it could have put the game away in Game 3. It wouldn't have had to go to overtime. And they could have even buried the Capitals in the first period of Game 4 because they had three power play opportunities in Game 4 as well. Yeah, like, they had chances. They've had chances. Just just numerically, right? Again, 1 for 19. 
one for 19 across four games. The only team that is worse is the Tampa Bay Lightning as it stands right now, but I think there's a game that has not reported because they played today. And the Lightning are, are 0 for 6 on the power play. 0 for 6, still gross. Not 1 for 19, though. No. Uh, with, with multiple games with, with like four opportunities or more. You, you need to bury at least one in every five. One in every five. Even that sounds bad. Yeah, but that's not that's not a tough... We're not asking for a 40% power play efficiency. We're asking for competency on, on the power play. They just... Even when they changed their philosophy... So in game four, to their credit, they were putting more shots on net, which is something that we've been asking for for a while because the Islanders... Well, let's face it, they have a lot of guys who are playmakers, so they sometimes get in the habit of passing the puck around the perimeter too much during a power play. At least in Game 4, they were putting pucks on net, but the quality of chances weren't there. No. Like, look, listen to this stat. The Islanders have the highest power play per games played, uh, a power play opportunities per games played, since in this series or since this series started with 4.75. And of course, this is not counting uh, what happened between Tampa Bay and uh, whatever games is playing today on, on Wednesday. Right. 4.75 power plays per game, and they have the second worst power play efficiency in the league or in, in the remaining 16 teams. That's awful. That well, we already knew was awful, but like they're getting chances, right? Like we can hang our hats on the fact that the Islanders weren't getting power play opportunities during the regular season, right? Like, oh, maybe if they got more opportunities, they'd be better. No, no, no. <laughs> this is definitive proof that they would not have. They're awful and they have tons of opportunities. That's right. It's it, it doesn't make sense because, like you said, during the regular season, they barely went on the power play. We know that they had the least amount of penalties by a huge margin. They were barely on the power play. Now they're getting their chances and they're not doing anything with it. So what's the excuse now at this point? There is none. There really is none. There, there, there's none. I, I don't have the shots for right now because I didn't open it up. I, I'm just curious if, if they're shooting it more frequently than they were um, beforehand. Uh, now it's going to take me a little bit to do that. But like the, the one thing that they weren't doing in the regular season that we figured was uh, the cause of their issues on the power play was that they just weren't shooting the damn puck. And, and we saw that uh, in spurts. And that's the thing that I don't understand. It seems that every power play is different, right? For the Islanders anyways, where they approach every power play differently. Like, oh, this is our third one from the game. Okay, remember, boys, this is the one where we cycle and we don't look at the net. Remember, remember, Super Dump is the fourth one, not the third one, guys. Yep. I don't understand. I, I, that doesn't make sense to me. I understand, like, you, you try a super dump and it doesn't work. But once you get the zone, they just seem to do something different every time. Like, the philosophy isn't to shoot at, at will. That should be the philosophy. You have a lane, shoot. You see a lane, shoot. You miss, whatever. Like, I'd rather them shoot and miss the net and it exits the zone than they just not shoot it at all. Right, because how many times earlier in the series... Would it be like, oh, the Islanders have six shots on like four power plays? It's like, how is that possible? <laughs> what, what are we doing here, guys? Right? Like, it's like what Curtis LeMay said. I, I've been listening to uh, Revisionist History, and he did the whole thing on Curtis LeMay. Uh, who I'd rather have a dumb guy do something than a smart guy do nothing. 
And that's what okay. I want. I'd rather them, like, it may not seem prudent to have the puck leave the zone because they shot the puck and it, it, it exits, but I'd rather them try and get the puck towards the net than hold on to it and find the perfect opportunity. Just get the puck towards the net. What you're going to do, even if you miss, is you're pulling defenders because they're going to try to go to retrieve that. And if you're pulling a defender, you're leaving someone open because they're already minus one in yeah. terms of bodies on the ice. Right, exactly. So you have someone go down low when the puck along the boards and th- and throw it out into the middle of the ice. Hopefully, get of course, you said than done and winning that battle because it seems that they can't do that. No, yes, especially in game four, anyway. But uh, it it's really frustrating to watch night in and night out. The Islanders getting four, five, six power play opportunities and doing nothing with it. It's really bad. So I'm just bringing up shots four on the power play. Um, in the playoffs, I didn't do a date filter, but the Islanders have the seventh most shots for um, in the playoffs. That includes the the Chicago Blackhawks, who aren't around anymore, mm-hmm. uh, with 42 shots. Like They're getting chances. They're getting chances, uh, and they're just not converting on them at all, obviously, with the one. Uh, that that has to change. Um, but for me, the big killer here is, is the PK. Yeah, the, the PK has been rough and i mean obviously we know that the the power play of the washington capitals is good and same with the panthers as well but the islanders during the regular season like were decent on the penalty kill they were 15th in the league so in the top half of the league in the penalty kill and it's just fallen off a cliff now they're at the bottom right like they are tied with philadelphia and vancouver at 75 percent of only arizona and st louis have worse power play percentages than they do or sorry pk percentages sorry even then sorry arizona is tied the only team that has a worse pk percentage than the islanders is the st louis blues at 66.7 percent oh that's, that's gross it. yeah that's well that's the, the the vancouver canucks have like a 33 percent efficiency on the power play it's okay. insane yeah um but the Islanders have just fallen off a cliff on the penalty kill, which is odd because they have so many guys who can fill that role. Yeah, right? Like, that that's they're supposed to be their specialty. Like, we, we will not allow you to get premium opportunities even when we have fewer numbers. We will defend, defend, defend. We will park the bus when we have to, and you're not going to get anything except teams are like, lulls, you have one less guy, boom, in. It's, it's insane. Right. I mean, think about it, though. Sezikis and Clutterbuck are both, you know, supposed to be very good on the power play. Pajot, Komarov, same deal. Supposed to be very good on the penalty. Ki- I, I said power play. I meant penalty. Uh, we all knew where you were going, yeah. Uh, even, like, Nelson could do it. Bailey could do it. And somehow they are still a- a- at the bottom. But, like, there's so many guys, especially pretty much their entire bottom six is, ooh, they can kill penalties? Put them in. <laughs> Right, and then not to mention their defense. Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock, Scott Mayfield, you know, Devin Tays not so much, yeah, but then yeah. Andy Green. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they've got guys that can that can defend, but they can't seem to do it on the penalty kill. And and I, I'm stumped because I don't understand how they're so bad. And the, the reason I, I really want to focus on the penalty kill isn't sure. just because the Islanders are bad at it. They are. It's that without that or with that, and because of that terrible penalty kill. The Washington Capitals have life in this series. They have four goals on the power play out of seven, is it? Right? No, I did this wrong. I'm getting eight, I think it is. They have eight goals in the series, right? Yep, eight. Correct. They have half of their production on the power play. You snuff that out, even by half, they're not in this series. If they have two power play goals in this game, 
or sorry, in this series, that's still decent. But it's not. It's not winning. They're done. We've already per- we've already ser- progressed at this point. The series is probably over. You're right. The series is probably over. And uh, because their power, their penalty kill isn't even competent. Seventy five percent is terrible. Eighty percent or more minimum. It cannot be lower than eighty percent. It just can't be. I'm not asking ninety four percent like the Capitals for some reason, or or the hundred percent like the Columbus Blue Jackets over the last three games, uh, which is insane. Um, I'm not asking for that. 80% would be fine. And like the, we're not even getting that. No, not it's not really even close, which is uh a little bit on the scary side. And like you said, I don't know what they could do to fix it because you would look at that personnel and you say, "Well, who are you going to insert into the lineup to fix that?" Nobody. They're all here. <laughs> all the guys who are supposed to be PK specialists have not been succeeding at their jobs. And it's not like, oh, we'll put Johnny Boychuk in. He's been out for a little while. No, he was there against Florida. Same problems. Same problems. Different team, of course, but same problem. Like, Florida got all of their offense on the power play. It, to me, it seems like it's a gap control issue. Right? Like, I, I Maybe it's because it's recency bias, and I'm thinking of... It, it wasn't. Sorry, it's not recency bias because this was in Game 3. The Kuznetsov goal. Right, like he shoots from the top of the circle and it goes right high at glove on Varley, but mm-hmm. Adam Pellick doesn't step up on him to reduce the angle, right, or or try at least challenge a shooter. He just mm-hmm. gives him the space. Uh, don't don't do that. Maybe that's it. Like I, I know the Alex Ovechkin power play goal, which still bothers me today, um, mainly because of of my proclamation that he wouldn't score one. Well, it was all luck, but like there wasn't anyone challenging him, so he had plenty of room to get that shot off. And, and I know in the PK, you maybe you don't want to be running around everywhere, but you have to challenge the shooter. You have to do that. And it's not like the, the Washington Capitals are, are passing around a tic-tac-toe uh, in these complicated patterns, and it's all tape to tape. Like, there's just no one challenging the shooter, it seems. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And that might be just a philosophy that Islanders are having, because when when you're saying not challenging the shooter, that reminded me of the third goal in the game from Game 4, Ovechkin's second one where Devontae's decided to play in essentially no man's land and play the pass instead of challenging Alex Ovechkin who has how many career goals at this point I don't even a lot a lot <laughs> like it's insane 69 career playoff goals now there after that one nice uh which is more than Sidney Crosby and Gordie Howe by the way just just in case anyone's like well that doesn't sound like a lot well think again mm-hmm. yeah it's Maybe it's a team philosophy thing where they aren't challenging the shooter enough. That sounds stupid. I know Doug Wade said, like, you got to challenge the shooter and get in there. You, you shouldn't do that, right? Like, clear the shooting lanes and let the goalie see the, the, the puck. Uh, well, that didn't work, right? We all remember what happened with when Doug Wade installed that system. It did not work. Uh, so let maybe let's not do that again. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Uh, I think that if they get – the scary part is if they get that figured out. Both, really. They would be extremely, extremely dangerous. I'd settle for one. Either one would be game-changing, right? If they if they score on the power play, who cares what happens with, with the um, the Washington Capitals, right? Like, if they're scoring 20%, right, or converting at 20%, I'm just trying to bring up. Um, they we're talking about four goals. power play goals. I had to do the math. I'm sorry people are probably laughing, but I, I had to do the math. That's four power play goals. They have one. That's three more goals across four games. Seriously, They're laughing. Again, series is over. It, it, it's probably over. It may not, like, if they get them all in one game, it may not be over. It'll be a real embarrassing game. But it might be, right? It might be embarrassing, so embarrassing that they don't come back. They're just like, we're done. 
It's it. We're, we we can't we can't do this. Um, or they just they just add one goal over those next three games, and then you're right, series is over. Um, but like, man, they've got to figure one of those out. I don't care which one. I would prefer the power the PK, um, but because I think that that's easier for them to do. But they got to figure one of those out. Like it has to. I- I'm with you on that. As much as I want to say the power play, just because I feel. Uh, I I started to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. That's to me the more frustrating of the two, watching it live. But also at the same time, the PK is almost just as frustrating because that's what they should be good at. So the sense that they have the personnel to at least do the PK and do it well, I would bet that it's more likely to get better. So yes, I think I think you said it best. They are more likely to turn around the, the penalty kill than they are the power play. So I will sign up for a 83% penalty kill how about that anything anything please it cannot be 75 percent. They, they've got to do a better job like yesterday no absolutely so um anything else on the special teams before we move this along no let's move this along we i think we've railed enough on the special teams and everyone's probably in agreement i, I if you're in a disagreement please at tlo mitch hit me up and let's discuss uh so i can talk some sense into you there you go so let's talk about anders lee who has found himself in this series. He has three goals, and uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking Anders Lee getting on a plane, like I'm going to Europe. I'm going to find myself. Here I go. <laughs> yeah, he took France. A, let he me took, see what you've got. He took a he took a gap year to find himself <laughs> in uh, backpacking through Europe. My gap year turned into five years. <laughs> Did it really? It was. It was a long. I graduated, and then I went to work. I worked for five years, and I traveled Australia, Russia, Iceland, Europe, every everywhere. I went maybe not everywhere, but a lot of places. And and finally, when I got bored of it, I was like, all right, maybe I need to go to school. And I did that. So my gap year was quite long. I get it. <laughs> That's quite okay. But Anders Lee, three goals in the first three games of this series. Obviously, was kept off the score sheet in uh, game four. But he's starting to look more like himself, which is – I. I definitely think is big for the Islanders they needed him they needed him to do something uh and I don't need him to score every game obviously I would like that um but he he needed to do something specifically because of how anonymous he was in the Florida series right like he just was not there no one knew where he was at the milk cartons were sent around Nassau County trying to find him uh and then he showed up in Toronto and be like hey boys I'm here oh the playoffs has started guess what lull time I'm gonna put up some goals and then he showed up. First, he lays the hammer on on um, Nicholas Backstrom. Sorry that he's injured. It sucks. He looks relatively okay. He, he's sitting in the seats and cheering and stuff, so he might be there for Game 5. Um, so that's always a good thing. Um, but, you know, get yourself implicated early and then gets himself on the score sheet even better. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, what he's able to do, to me, his third goal, the second one was an empty net goal, but the third one, the deflection, was, I think, his best one. And that was like, okay, he's back. This is Anders Lee that we know and love. Yeah, it it really comes down to the goals because that's what you want to see. I would like to see more power play goals from him. Um, not not only because the Islanders' power play is terrible, because that's usually what he does. And I, I'd like to see that he's kind of fixed on the power play because he only had two power play goals this year, and that's unlike him. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's the physical aspect of his game and it's just tying everything in, right? He's playing physically. He's using that 6'3", 231 pound frame to his advantage, not only in front of the net, but around the net, around the boards, everywhere. Um, 
and he's putting up shots, right? Like he's got, I'm trying to bring up his game reports here, but like he's got uh, over the series three, two, seven, three. Like that's 15 shots over four games. The man is getting the puck at the net and that's why he's putting up goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that that's going to get you out of it is when you start putting those pucks on net, yeah, maybe you're not going to get your cha- your uh, goals right away, but eventually it starts to even out a little bit. And, uh, well, the Islanders need Anders Lee to be the goal scorer that they know him to be. I'm not asking him to be, you know, on a 40-goal pace. I don't think that's fair or realistic. But if he is someone who is, can and should be getting you 30 goals a year, then you're in a much better situation. They also need a different look to their offense, right? Like the Islanders, when when they they put the, the when you I guess if you're out the opposition, you see the game sheet, and you're like, okay, Matthew Barzal, got to shut that guy down. Um, Brock Nelson, okay. And if you see Anders Lee isn't doing anything, you're like, whatever, you know, lulls. Don't need to worry about him. I'm saying lulls a lot. I got to stop that. I got to nip that in the butt. Um, but if he's scoring a lot, then you're like, crap, now we got to worry about this guy too? Like, you got him. You got Brock Nelson scoring. You got Jean-Gabriel Peugeot now who can score maybe two a game, it seems, in the playoffs. Uh, and then you got Anthony Beauvillier to worry about. Like, it gives a lot to, con- to be concerned about uh, if you're the opposition when Anders Lee is at his best as he is now. Right, exactly. It just kind of adds a different dynamic because the Islanders don't really have someone else on the team who does what Anders Lee does. No, and there's very few people in the league who do that, right? Like Wayne Simmons, sure, but he's not what he used to be anymore. Uh, and, and that's really Joe Pavelski, maybe, and even then, not what he used to be. So Anders Lee is the, the, the cream of the crop when it comes to power forwards in the league, I would say. Yeah, no, de- definitely. And, you know, like like we were saying, when, when that's going, it's just another element that they have to worry about. Because, you know, Barzal, he's the flashy player. Nelson and Eberle kind of are the ones with a little bit of a better shot. Beauvillier... Beauvillier, surprisingly, best backhand in the league this year. Right? Like to see that. That's always good. I thought it was going to be Anders. Well, it wouldn't be Anders Lee, I guess, with the number of goals he scores. But um, you would think that Anders Lee would have a wicked backhand. And I'm, I'm sure he's maybe not that far down on on that like backhand depth chart. But, yeah, nice to see Bo up there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different things. And, and then J.G. Pajot, obviously, adding that necessary center depth. I think he's been one of the big X factors for them. I really like what he's shown in the playoffs. Yeah, well, it's great to have. Um, but we paid too much, apparently, so there's that. Yeah. Can't forget that. We paid too much, Matt. We can't. We can never forget. Never. November 11th, it's not about the military. It's about never forgetting we paid too much for Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. Okay. Well, yeah, I have to write that down. <laughs> put, in my cal- put in my calendar. <laughs> oh, man. No, but it's, it's nice to see him implicated, again, not only on the score sheet, but physically. Because you want to have Anders Lee there accountable, doing something, right? Again, I'd rather have a dumb guy do something than a smart guy do nothing. Like, he might be playing his position great, but I need to see him implicated. I need to see him doing something. And he's doing that with for against the Washington Capitals. And like, it's giving the Islanders a whole lot of options. No, 100%, which, uh, again, it goes back to the reasons why I think they're up 3-1 right now is because he's clicking. When, you know, one thing's not going, the Islanders have been able to find something else to, you know, supplement that, which has been good. Exactly. I 1,000% agree with that. So it's nice to see him whirling. Absolutely. Want to get into the quiz, Mitch? Yes. Okay. So we are the 157th episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Sorry, I stumbled because I'm trying to think of something in my head here. Um, And as we do for every show, we have a little quiz where I try to get Matt to guess a player 
who's played X number of games for the Islanders. X usually stands for 50, uh, the number of, sorry, in this case, it would be 57 games played for the Islanders. I couldn't find someone who's played 57 games for the Islanders. I couldn't okay. find someone who's played 157 games for the Islanders. Ooh, all right. So I'm doing something a little bit different. It's still 157, but it's not going to be games played. And I'm not going to tell you what the stat is either because it'll give it away. Okay. So are you at 157 has something to do with this person, and I'll tell you once you figure out who they are. Okay. okay? I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, let's do it. Clue number one. I was born in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. I'm not giving you the date. Okay, next. Okay, two. I was traded to the Islanders along with two other players and a future consideration for a second round pick. Johnny Boychuk? So three players. No, it was not Johnny Boychuk. Three players plus a good guess, though. Good guess by you. So yeah, three players plus a future considerations. He was one of the players for a second round pick in an unnamed draft right now. Okay. So, guess Johnny Boychuk. Good guess. Not him. Clue number three. I came second in Calder voting to a teammate in 1976. Oh. Oh. Um. Uh. Oh, my God. It's... Is it Tanelli? No. Incorrect. Good guess, but no. I came... Sorry, sorry, I'm reading the third one again. Clue number four. I averaged a 9-11 save percentage and and 2.56 goals against average with the Isles between 1973 and 1980. Chico Resch. Correct. That is correct. As soon as I said Sanelli, then I... That came in. Good job by you. My last one was, no one calls me by my first name, Glenn. Yep. Okay, so that he was has a good 157 one. career wins with the Islanders. And that's where 157 comes in. There it is. I like that one. That was interesting. That was good. I, I tried a little bit harder and because uh, <laughs> no one had to play it on her. I couldn't use the same gimmick again. So, yeah, yeah. all right. I'm glad you liked that. I'm glad you got it, too, because I wasn't sure if I was being too hard with some of these guesses. No, no. I thought it was, I thought that was fair. I thought that was fair. I should have got it on the one, the, the guest prior. I had it on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, well, that's you're close. The trade, yeah, they trade with the Montreal Canadiens. I think it was in 1973 for the a second round pick in the 1973 draft. So like real early in the Islanders' existence, um, it may have even been 72. Doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, they got three players, including Resch, and a future consideration for a second round pick. Imagine that, incredible. Wow, great deal. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's going around on Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, Matt and Mitch with you. Getting into the social segment now. Mitch, what do you got for us this week? Uh, So this one comes from Shane Blackburn from me, kind of. Uh, I just really like what Shane was saying here, Uh, mainly because it's a little bit of flattery. Not really, actually. Anyways, I I tweeted out saying that the four highest scoring players, this was just done today, the Mm -hmm. four highest scoring players in the playoffs are no longer in those playoffs. So top ranked Sebastian Ajo, 11 points in seven games. Gown, get out. Uh, Connor McDavid, nine points, four games. Who's that? Never heard of this clown. Don't know him. Um, third, Jonathan Taves, the worst of the Taves, nine points in nine <laughs> games. And then four, Pierre uh, Luc, I like to board people, uh, Dubois, nine points in nine games. P.S., you see that that hit on Kucherov today? It's basically Tom Wilson, w- but like he actually cross-checks him in. It's horrendous. He did. I think he got... W- 
I don't think he got anything for it. That was tough. That was tough. Uh, anyway, so I say they're not in there anymore, and then Shane responds or retweets it saying, teams win championships in hockey, and I feel like this proves that in a definitive way. Right? That's something that Lou Lamarillo has said since like day one. Right? Mm-hmm. Day one, players win games, but teams win championships. Okay. I, li- I like that philosophy. I, I, and it rings true for how the Islanders have played so far because they've had a lot of different heroes for them. Varlamov's been really good. He's been mm. one of the key reasons. Beauvillier's been one of the key reasons. Pajot's been one of the key reasons. Barzal recently. And there's Lee coming around. So it's like a little bit of everyone. And when some of the other guys are down, you have people to pick him up. And it's not like you're just relying on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisdattel and nothing else. Right, if you don't have those two guys, because we've seen in playoffs, like the Islanders have done it multiple times, you shut down a line, that's it, and then they've got nothing else going for them, and you win. Exactly. So, yeah. Anyways, what, what do you got? Uh, so, first one from me comes from uh, P.K. Subban's podcast. Right. So, he had a quote, and he says that he believe. I'm paraphrasing him, but he says that he believes the Islanders could be a team that we see in the Stanley Cup final. So some high praise from one of the more well-respected players in the NHL. Love to hear it. He's not wrong, right? Like, you you look at the way they play. They don't have the same star power as some of these other teams, right? Like this, the Tampa Bay Lightning um, or the Vegas Golden Knights. They don't have that star power. Right. But they've got a, a team that works, uh, that clicks, that plays a specific way, and they play it well. And when they play it well, very few people can beat them. No, absolutely. And I think we've seen that on display already. Exactly, right? Like, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs. So, good luck. We'll see if they can if they can get past the Capitals. I'm sure they can. I think so, too. Okay, my next one comes from Caps Radio 24-7. Um, and so it said, there's a tweet circulating, unfortunately, that suggests a Capital player shared unflattering comments about the Isles on Capitals Radio broadcast. The player linked with the comments did not even speak to media on Tuesday. Yeah, I I don't like when people make things up, and it's not it's not Rob's fault. So Rob no. Taub, uh tweeted out, but he linked where he got that information right. from. It was somebody. I do you have it or no? No, I think it was deleted. I I don't know. I know Rob deleted, and I don't care to go find out who who the tr- who trolled everyone. It doesn't matter. Yeah, someone said it, and and Rob, you know, he he tweeted it out, and again, I I would do the same thing if I noticed it first, but um. Why I don't I don't understand why people have to put false information out on on the internet. Like try to protect the worst is those who like have the fake insider accounts. So like it's like one letter off from in the NFL. It's like the fake Adam Schefters or like I don't yeah. know like it'd be like Bob McKenzie but off by like a letter, and they like tweet out fake stories. It's well I mean you fell for a couple of them. I always do. I always <laughs> always do constantly. Um, but like that, that's the thing that I also don't get. Like you get the one out there like, oh, I fooled them. But like, OK, well, now I know you're fake. So block. Well, you're going to go create another one, I suppose. But it's like, why? Why? Why are you wasting everyone's goddamn time? And yes, I don't blame Rob. I, I also I retweeted Rob. So I'm like, all right, well, because mm-hmm. the story was that Tom Wilson had got on Caps Radio and said that we don't even we don't. Re- yeah, he didn't say respect, but like we, we don't we don't. Tr- What's the word I want to use it? We think the Islanders are soft, is what he said. Yes. Right? And, or what he apparently had said, which is kind of like, all right, well, that sounds like a Tom Wilson thing to say. It's kind of out there. And, and I remember I said this on, on the Patreon because we brought it up at, at the post game. That's right. Uh, saying, like, I'd like to hear the full comment to see everything here because it surprised me that someone would say something that 
that out there, even if it's Tom Wilson. And of course, it wasn't actually said because he didn't actually he wasn't available to media that day. Uh, so I don't blame anyone aside from the person tweeting that out, which is really unfortunate that any of anyone had to do anything, including Caps Radio to be like, guys, he didn't talk to us. He didn't talk to anyone. So like, check, check, check your facts. Yeah, no, it's it's stupid. It's I'm I'm with you on that. It's just annoying. There's no yeah. re- reason for it. Next one for me is from Offside Tavern, and it's uh, a picture of John Ledecky who took them up on the no reservation thing. So, love to see the owner going to hang out with the common folk at Offside, and just paying tribute to an Islander staple, right? I know the fan staple, really. Like mm-hmm. everyone goes, makes a pilgrimage to Offside Tavern uh, whenever they're in town. If they don't live in town, uh, it's something. If you haven't gone, you have to go. Uh, it, it's not like. It's amazing because it's an Islander bar in Manhattan, right? Like that, that's incredible. You, you wouldn't think of it. That's Ranger territory and there's an Islander bar right there. Like, you know, you're in an Islander bar. It's not like you walk in the Barclays going like, oh, they happen to be playing here. No, 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 no. There's Islander stuff all over the place. Uh, so that that's incredible and, and good job by him. Yeah, he's making, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands kind of thing. But like, that's what an owner has to do when the going's when the going is good. You get out there, you shake some hands and you kiss some babies. Damn it. No, absolutely. And uh, I think it goes a long way. And I think Islanders fans really appreciate that. And to Ledecky's credit, I think he's done a really good job with it. Absolutely. Right. Like he he's the face of the ownership group. Like he's not the only owner. If you're if you didn't already know, uh, I know you did, Matt. Um, but like it's a co-owner group. Right, so it's Scott uh, Scott Malkin and, and John Ledecky who co-own the team, uh, but John Ledecky's the one that's out there. Scott May, uh, Scott Malkin, I was going to call him Mayfield, has like a, a more uh, backdoor role. Like he he stands in the, in the shadows and does kind of like the more the wheeling and the dealing type of thing. He just has unlimited cash. <laughs> it really does seem like he has unlimited <laughs> cash. Uh, maybe he's buying the Mets now. I don't know, I, or the Jets or something. He's got so something. much money. He's flush with cash. I don't think it's happening. Uh, but but on, on that note, I wanted to bring this up, and this is the third okay. thing I was going to bring up, and it's uh, from August 19th, 2014, so today, six Ooh. years ago, from Arthur Staples saying, breaking news, Charles Wong has agreed to sell the Isles to John Ledecky, former co-owner of the Capitals, and investor Scott Malkin. Six years ago today, they took control of the team. Ish. Yeah, it was like another year after that. I right, think. like they had a two-year kind of like transition period where they had to learn all the ropes, essentially. And they used that that two years well. Right. And, I mean, the the direction of the franchise has completely changed from six years ago. Yes, right. they made the playoffs in, in, in 2014-15. They made the playoffs in 2012-2013. But it's completely different. They have a legitimate general manager. They have a legitimate head coach. They have an, a, a new arena coming for not this upcoming year, the year after. It's... A lot going in the right direction for the New York Islanders. They missed the, the playoffs once under these guys, right? When they were actually had full control, once they missed. And after they did, they changed everything, right? Like they fired Gar Snow-ish. They, they, they did fire um, Doug Waite. And then they brought in, oh, wait, no. No, back-to-back years, 16, 17, 17, 18. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But after that, because they were close year one, right? They were point out. It's kind of like, all right, well, it was a new coach. We made a change. Yeah, Let's I see mind, it through. I didn't mind running it back with Doug Waite for that second year. It made sense. They they came on really strong in the second half. Yeah, and then 
after that, it's kind of like, all right, you fell well short, and uh, we're, we're making changes. And and they 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 put on their big boy pants, and they they made some changes, right? Like they they got rid of Garth ish, they got rid of Doug, and and they brought in Lou, they brought in Barry, they spent, and they're spending, they're spending to the cap, something the Islanders did not do. Um, it's just, it's good to see that Belmont Northwell Ice, although Northwell Health Ice, although that was also like a a Charles Wong thing as well, um, right. but like. Charles Wong did what he needed to do to keep the team in New York, um, but they, they've taken the step, the next step, and the, the very important step that Charles couldn't do and secure them a permanent home on Long Island. Absolutely. So that's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, that's it, right? On social, that's you don't have anything else? Okay. Nothing so else. just a couple of plugs before we get on out of here. Wherever you are listening to this show, please make sure to give us a subscribe, review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the love and support. Also, if you haven't checked it out yet, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles gets you what well if you subscribe for five bucks a month, it gets you post game shows, it gets you a mailbag show, it gets you a Mitch live stream, it gets you a really nice community of Islanders fans over there. It's a, it's an absolute blast and uh, a lot going on over there, right, Mitch? Yeah, we got fifteen comments on the mailbag just now, so we got fifteen questions to ask. And they're not quick ones. Like this one is three paragraphs long. Uh, so like you're you're getting you're getting your money's worth. Like you're getting at least three podcasts a week. You like you said a live stream, uh, ton of stuff, ton 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 of stuff. Absolutely. And then on top of that, we also have social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter's Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. Facebook Facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app available for iPhone or Android, the Eyes on Isles app, and of course the website EyesOnIsles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, hopefully next week we're in a, a little bit of a happier mood. I mean, we're, it's still good that the Islanders are up 3-1, but uh, hopefully we're talking about a uh, something a little bit more positive next week in yes. previewing a series, if you get my drift. <laughs> hopefully. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, how do you do? Let's go second round. Absolutely. So that'll do it for us for episode number 157. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. And we'll talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.